A retired, very well-known conservative federal judge is urging the Supreme Court to disqualify Donald Trump from office. Judge Michael Ludig wrote a friend of the court brief, and it makes a distinction between Trump's efforts to hold on to power after the 2020 election and the South Carolina secession, which, of course, led to the Civil War. Ludig argues that unlike the secession of South Carolina, Trump, quote, tried to prevent, quote, the newly elected president from governing anywhere in the United States. He continues, quote, Trump incited and therefore engaged in an armed insurrection against the Constitution's express and foundational mandates that require the peaceful transfer of of executive power to a newly elected president. In doing so, Mr. Trump disqualified himself under Section 3 of the Constitution. Now, earlier this month, the High Court agreed to review the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to remove Trump from the state's ballot. The justices are set to hear oral arguments on February 8th. Let's bring in the writer of the Very Serious Newsletter, host of the Very Serious Podcast, Josh Barrow, is here, and former assistant U.S. attorney to, for the Eastern District of New York and former senior investigative counsel for the January 6th Select Committee, Temadayo. Agunga Williams. Thanks, guys. Given your role on, uh, on the select committee and looking at this, I wonder what you make of Ludig's argument in this brief, because it's, it's a big deal to say this is essentially worse or more, more detrimental, potentially, to the United States than the secession we saw, because it's about the whole country. Uh, I, I think it's a powerful brief, but I think it's based on both fact and, and law. Um, I think Judge Luterjee was a critical witness for us in yeah, providing the committee with historical context of what we were looking at with the acts of the former president. And I think what he's done here, frankly, by uh, him and uh, Dean Tribe kind of starting this, uh, this, this argument here that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies, I think it's critical. At its core, what it's saying is that the former president, by breaking his oath of office and engaging in insurrection, has disqualified himself from holding any future federal office. I think that's a really, really strong argument. And what makes it even more interesting here is that he's really appealing to conservative principles, yes. like textualism. That um, was interesting as yeah. part of it. He's saying, this is how you need to read it. You're a court that tends to read things this way, at least the majority. Exactly. I think that's what's going to be powerful here. He's looking at the conservative bench, uh, the conservative justices, and he's saying, this is how for decades, conservative scholars have read statutes, have read the Constitution. And if you basically stick true to conservative principles, you will arrive at the conclusion that the former president is not eligible to be president again. That the only way he could become eligible is by two-thirds of Congress removing the disqualification. But without that, the former president cannot hold office and should not even be on the ballot. What's your read? No, not just on, on what Ludig is saying here, but just in general, as this continues to play out, we head towards this February 8th. Uh, it's a very, very big day. What's your sense of where this stands? Well, I mean, Ludic has been a big voice in conservative scholarship for, for this position. You've seen s some other conservative legal scholars like Ilya Soma and Will Baud take the position that, in fact, the, the former president is disqualified. If you're going into a Supreme Court with a 6-3 conservative majority, you need arguments that might pick off at least two of those conservative justices for that argument. And I think, you know, in terms of making a textualist approach, I think if you're, if you're looking for a justice on this court who might be willing to pick up a very old document and say this, you know, this does give a surprising power 
that you know that, that we haven't had to that we haven't had to discuss before, but it really is in there. That seems like an argument for Judge Gorsuch, in a similar way to you know totally. Yeah, he will Gorsuch. he will look at at very old treaties with Indian tribes and reach conclusions about powers that it gives them that undermine you know mm -hmm. significant ways the state of Oklahoma does business right. that drive other conservative justices crazy. He's he's open to those sorts of arguments in the Bostock case about discrimination against uh, gay rights uh, on gay rights. His his opinion essentially said that. Uh, that that the that civil rights law has always prohibited, yeah. or has for decades prohibited discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. So it seems like an argument that could be made for him. That would still only get you to four, assuming that you can get the three liberal justices along. I mean, in the Colorado Supreme Court, that has a seven-zero Democratic appointee majority, and it still was only a four-to-three decision. Where does Roberts go on this? Well, I think you know, I, I don't. Where, where do you think Roberts goes on this? Well, you know, Roberts, we think of him as the institutional person here, and I think he's going to be thinking, how is the court perceived after a decision like this? And frankly, I, I would guess Roberts goes with the former president. I would be surprised here if Roberts allows a world that the court is perceived, at least, as being the dispositive Political. factor in the election. Political. The thing he doesn't want it to be. Yeah, but I think that's what the, what the judge here, Judge Ludwig, is also imploring the court to do, right, is to not look at, you know, the politics of the moment, to look at the text, look at the Constitution, and do what the law requires, not what the politics of the moment require. Can we play the sound from Justice Sonia Sotomayor as we're talking about the Supreme Court? Because I thought it was fascinating. We don't hear candid assessments of things from them quite often. Listen. Change happens because people care about moving the arc of the universe towards justice. And it can take time. And it can take frustration. I live in frustration. <laughs> um, and as you heard, every loss truly traumatizes me in my stomach and in my heart. Um, but I have to get up the next morning and keep on fighting. Josh, what do you think the intent is behind that message? I'm, I'm not sure that there is a strategic intent behind it. I mean, I, I, it seems like a description of, of what her of what her day is like. I mean, I you know I find it a little bit surprising given what Ju Justice Sotomayor describes there about the stakes of what hap is happening before the Supreme Court that she is not retired. Uh, she's 69 years old. She's been on the court for 15 years. Uh, it's quite possible the Democrats will lose control of the Senate uh, in, in the next election. And who knows how long it could be before there's a next opportunity for a Democratic president to make a new appointment into the seat that she sits in. I mean, Justice Scalia stuck around through the 2006 election, did not make it to 2017, which would have been the next opportunity. Now he had Mitch McConnell running interference for him. Um, but, you know, it, it, it can be more than a decade before there's another opportunity for a Democratic appointment with a Democratic sen sen uh, Senate. It seems like that it would be the right time strategically for her to step down in favor of somebody younger if she's very concerned about the political balance on the court. Interesting point. Is that a thing? Not what I've heard a lot well, about, but Breyer there did. we go. No, no, I understand. I just haven't heard the, like, the chatter about it. Now it's a thing because I, I, I think it's it strange up. that there hasn't been chatter about it. I mean, we've already been through this with Justice Ginsburg. She was a lot older. She yes, but she had multiple health issues beforehand. Justice Sotomayor has diabetes. Yeah, um, and the and Scalia was a little bit older in two thousand six. That was a surprise. Right, but that's the thing. You know, a, a decade is a long time. I'm not saying that I think Justice Sotomayor is yeah. is on death's door by any means, but I think that you know it's important, given that it is a lifetime appointment, to take a very long time horizon view on this. Democrats are at a structural disadvantage in the in the U.S. Senate. I would not assume. That you know, within the next four or six years, we'll have another occasion where there's a Democratic president, and Democratic Senate again. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think people will talk about it now. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Josh.